Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Hi, and welcome back. I know that I always say this or pretty much always say this, but I am so excited to bring you today's conversation and guest. And before I reveal who she is and why she's so amazing and great, I want to tell you a real quick story about something that ties into today's episode. And I think it's a story that you're going to appreciate Real quick, though, for the newcomers, I just want to make sure to introduce myself and tell you what this podcast is all about. I'm Emily Aborn, the leader of She Built This, as well as a freelance content writer. This podcast and the She Built This community are really where I think, in my humble opinion, you want to be if you are a positive-minded woman entrepreneur or professional who gets excited by growth and success. I hand-deliver every week a mix of inspiring stories, marketing and content tips, education, inspiration, and stories like the ones I, I like to pepper in in the intros from yours truly. And one thing I was thinking about recently that I think is important for you to know is that uh, I am building this right alongside you and alongside each and every woman in the She Built This community. So as I live and learn, um, I love to share lessons along the way so that A, you don't make some of the same mistakes I did because I've made them all and some of them have been doozies. And B, if we're both going through the same thing together or similar experiences, you know, then we have someone to commiserate with or cheer each other on, whatever the case may be. Um, But because I am in the process of also building it, I need your help too. So if you listen and like the show, I would love for you to help me spread the word about the podcast. Or if you love the She Built This community, help me to spread the word about the She Built This group. You know, invite friends, share episodes with people that something in it made you think of them. And I also welcome your reviews and sharing directly with me your thoughts and takeaways so that I can better know what is working and maybe what is not. And if you're new here, I definitely want to encourage you to check out shebuiltthis.org where you'll find out how to get in and involved in the community, participate in events, and join in on everything that we have happening, which I'm going to share with you a little bit more about all that next week. There is some really exciting stuff coming up. There's a lot, um, and I don't want to like fire hose you or pummel you with it, so I'm just going to kind of like share it in little spurts as it's all happening, but a lot of those things will be coming out next week. All right, so that's the housekeeping. I try to keep it super speedy this week. Um, As I was working on my notes to introduce this week's episode, I was thinking back to a time that I did not have confidence around something and I decided to take an action anyway. And I'm trying to think of like one single incident, but honestly, I could not think of just one time. It happens a lot to me. I'm not or should I say I haven't been the most confident person in life, but I am pretty scrappy and courageous if I do say so myself. So here's a few examples. Um, 
my husband and I started a retail shop back in 2014 without really having the slightest idea as to what we were doing. And I had virtually no hesitation that this would be a success. I had no real fear around doing it. Um, I also remember when I went skiing in the Alps, it was literally the first time I had ever been downhill skiing in my life. And I will tell you the story of France some other day, but just know for this story that I had no clue how to ski. And I had this instructor who was showing me the ropes. I must have let him talk all of five seconds. And then I was like, you know what? I got this. And I decided to just like take off at top speed down the hill. I, I figured out how to ski on the way down. Um, when we got to the bottom, he definitely reprimanded me and told me that I was going way too fast. And honestly, between you and me, I think he was just worried that uh, I had already mastered it and he was going to lose a client. So that kind of like desire to just jump right into something is definitely my strength and my weakness. Diving headfirst into things before I've had the slightest clue as to what I'm doing or and sometimes before I have a plan in place, it's in most cases, it's okay. Um, but it's all kind of got me thinking, is this confidence or is this something else? Like I was thinking about it and I really didn't have the confidence that I could ski before I skied down that mountain. I didn't have the confidence in how to run a retail shop before we had been doing it for a couple of years. And Truth be told, I didn't have confidence that I could write, put on events, podcast, run a connected community until I just started writing stuff, putting events out, crossing my fingers that somebody would sign up and run my group and, and put on a podcast. So where does confidence actually come from? Like, what is it actually? Is it the thing that inspires us to take the action or does it come after taking the action? And why do some people have more of it than others? Are we all maybe just walking around with less confidence than than we show? And some people are just really, really good at like faking it. Um, I do actually think, to answer my last question, I think that some people have genuinely bigger than life-size confidence. And sometimes it's even the people that are not as skilled, that are not as knowledgeable, and that are not as experienced as you are. But I tell you what, I think this, I think that you can get even further than confidence, or at least it can help you to get on the right track and start to gain confidence by having courage. Like I will admit to you, I am still not the world's most confidence person. I am totally working on it. Um, I tend my, I tend to find myself uh, to be not as smart as everybody else. And I sometimes get super self-conscious about various aspects of my appearance. I'm not always confident in what I have to say or what I'm doing. And I will say I feel more confident in my skill set because I've really like stretched that courage muscle and practice and practice and practice and found that actually, I think what makes you more confident is doing the thing. So if you're feeling a lack of confidence in some area and waiting for that confidence before taking the action. I think you're going to love this interview because Andrea, my guest, and I talk about how we really can't sit around and wait for confidence or for clarity to strike. That's what we really dive into. We talk about how confidence actually comes after courage, clarity comes after taking action, and it's also really important to not throw in the towel too soon and quit before the miracle, quit before you've built up to those things that you're trying to attain. 
Andrea is going to share the habits of high performance and what is missing when we think that we don't have enough time in life. We kind of go in a lot of different places, but at the core of this message is really about like not waiting uh, and taking action and diving in sometimes before you're ready. So I I do want to encourage you to make sure that you really deeply listen to this episode because it's jam-packed with good stuff. Andrea shares her story around trying things before she's ready um, and taking plunges that we might not be equipped for until we just dive in. Um, And I think you're going to adore her as much as I do. So her formal bio is that Andrea Sandu is a certified high performance coach helping entrepreneurs and leaders improve their productivity, influencing skills, confidence, and coping with the high demands of their role. She's an ex-software engineer and has worked for corporations like Microsoft and Amazon in both leading and individual contributor positions. She considers herself a visible introvert and her book, The Introvert That Could, which she is in the process of publishing, um, she really explores the middle ground between staying in the introvert comfort zone and being able to lead and succeed in what seems to be an extroverted world. Hi, Andrea, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. How are you? Hi, thank you for having me. I'm very good today. How are you? I'm good. I'm also very good today. The sun, I'm I'm in New Hampshire, and the sun is shining, and it's like at least 30 degrees, so <laughs> we're winning. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? I read your bio before you joined us, but tell us a little bit more about who you are, and maybe also how you kind of got to where you are today. It's an interesting story. I will try not to make it too complicated because I feel it's like a huge puzzle uh, and I've been gathering pieces (laughs) along the years. I'm still not sure that the puzzle is complete, but anyway, I'll try to to make it uh, not complicated. Um, I am a high-performance coach right now. However, I started as a software engineer. I moved um, to the UK from Romania about nine years ago for a big new job. I was a software quality assurance engineer for a big tech company. And in 2015, when I was getting ready to get married, one of my goals was to lose weight before that. I know it's a cliche, but yeah, I know. But that small decision actually changed the course of my entire life. First of all, I I did it. It worked. It worked out. But my whole perspective uh, um, around nutrition and, and fitness changed. I became a new person. And at the same time... Mm. I um, became interested in the in the fitness industry, and because it worked, and I was I was sharing this with other people, everyone was asking me, "How did you do it? Tell us, give us tips." And I was pretty much bored of saying the same things over and over again. So I started a blog, and that really changed. <laughs> 
that was the starting point to where I am now. In the, in the beginning, it was really bad. I didn't know how to write. Um, but everyone starts somewhere, right? And it was not long after I moved to the UK. My English was not that good yet. Anyway, I, I got better. And the, the blog kind of took off. I started doing collaborations. I even had a brand collab with Adidas. I was being paid to write. So this whole new world opened up for me. I also trained as a fitness instructor and yoga teacher and started teaching on the side. So I had my full-time job, um, a bit of a part-time job with, with teaching classes and the blog. And very soon I realized I do want more freedom. So I had that seed planted in my mind that at some point I will leave the, the tech industry. So I started planning my exit. We moved to the countryside and eventually bought a boat and we cruised along for a while, for a couple of years, actually. I eventually quit my, my job in, in tech. So I had teaching classes on the side, plus, plus the blog. Um, and not long after that, the pandemic started. <laughs> I, I sometimes think, oh, would I have still quit the job if I knew that the pandemic is coming? But it was actually good for me because um, I, I started doing more business development. I obviously figured that I, I need more uh, business business skills and I don't know how she found out but the lady that owned the yoga studios where I was teaching knew about knew about the blog and that it's doing well so she said can you help me with my with my email marketing and maybe writing some blog posts for us I said, okay, so I started working as a marketing <laughs> expert for her, even though I, I didn't have marketing knowledge before. And when the pandemic started, because I also had all those tech skills from before, I helped her move the studios online and she made me partner and I managed the, the studio for a whole year as a as a co-owner in the in this time i i am um, i'm missing a, a, a piece from the puzzle <laughs> in this time i also had another problem that i couldn't fix my weight or some of it <laughs> came back and this is how i discovered life coaching i discovered uh, life coaching and i finally solved my weight problem but I also got um, into this new world I learned more about coaching it helped me with business as well got new skills I trained as a coach and 
because I was always I was always interested in human human performance and productivity. I had a lot of things that I needed to juggle at the same time. So productivity was always a big thing for me. And I remember um, in in 2020, uh, my son was born and he was he was a premature baby and he had to stay in the hospital for another two weeks after he was born. And we were going to visit him every day, but he was a tiny baby. You didn't have anything to do other than just watch him sleep. So I read a lot <laughs> in those two weeks. And I remember I was reading High Performance Habits by Brendan Bouchard. And about halfway through the book, I just stopped and said, this is it. This is what I want to do. It resonated with me so well. I didn't even finish reading the book. I went home. I um, told my husband, hey, I want to be a high performance coach. He said, it makes perfect sense. So I applied for the certification. Um, I certified as a high performance coach. I've been coaching for a year and a half now. Um, and last September, I left the yoga studio. I'm a full-time coach and I'm writing um, on the side how much time I have. And this is where I am now. I know it's a long story. No, I love it. So I definitely want to, let's let's start with the high performance coaching. How is that different, I guess, from uh, life coaching or from business coaching or and, and how is it similar, I guess? The similarities, well, it's coaching. That's how it's similar to life coaching and business coaching, maybe. It's, um, with business, it's a lot less about strategy and more about mindset. And in high performance, first of all, let me define what high performance means. So um, we're a bit more clear on that. I define high performance as consistently living from your best self and succeeding beyond normal standards over the long term while you still maintain positive well-being and relationships. Um, to use less fancy words, you're basically killing it. And <laughs> yeah. it's based on um, six pillars. But the ones that I focus on are building better habits, increasing productivity, developing influencing and communication skills, courage, and a lot of self-concept self and um, self-identity work. It's somehow different than others because it's very structured. It has um, some specific sessions that we go through. I have a few topics and how the coaching was developed was by looking at top performers in the world and watching their habits, trying to find the similarities. What do they do um, the same? And I'm not talking about habits like waking up at 5 a.m., but really, what do they do differently? So they, they, the High Performance Institute put this coaching 
together. And it's also measured. We look at some things in the beginning, we score them, and then through the coaching, we try to improve those scores. So at the end, you have this all-rounded self-development progress. It's a... Can you give us some of the uh, examples of what those habits are that that successful people have in common? There's six of them. And I do have, I have a free audio series that anyone can download and really go deep into all of those. The first one is seeking clarity and it's not necessarily clarity around how to do something, but rather about Um, who you need to be to get there and Mm. just focusing on one step at a time. Then we have generating energy because you're going to have all the goals that you want to have and you can be super productive, but if you don't have energy to do anything, it's useless. Then um, increasing necessity You can also think about necessity as motivation, trying to somehow artificially manufacture the need for your goal, because some some of our needs, they're goals, they're not needs. So we tend to push them aside when life gets hard. Then we have increasing productivity and through high performance, the measurement is 5x. You kind of 5x your productivity in in about three months, which is pretty good. Increasing courage. Um, instead of focusing on confidence, for example, mm-hmm. we focus on courage because that's what comes first. Um Have I missed something? Yes, and influence. Influence and communication skills, whatever you need to make people listen to you. Keep, if you're in in a corporation, if you lead people, how to keep them motivated, how to grow communities, how to sell if you're a business owner. Okay, I have everything I need. I'm going to go off and be successful. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so what do you what do you see people doing wrong, I guess, when they when they first come to work with you? I guess what is your what's their biggest thing you see around productivity and habits that gets in people's way? With productivity, I would say if someone comes to me and says, I want to be more productive. I usually just stop them and ask, why? Why do you want to be more productive? And why aren't you already? And once we go into the answers of these questions, and I think it's the same for all of us, we want to be more productive because we want more time to do the things that we love that we don't have space in our lives for. Mm -hmm. People come to me and ask me for tips or tools or another very common question is, what planner do you use? I don't use a planner. I have a very, very simple system when it comes to productivity. So once we go into these things, we realize you don't need the tools. 
what you need is to start clearing out your to-do list, start to say no to other people and put yourself first, start to make space for the things that you, you want to do. Because think about it. If you finish your day and you've done and all the things that you've done in that day were fulfilling you don't go to bed anymore thinking oh i wish i had more time you just go to bed happy this is what i i always say when someone says oh i just need more time i don't think you need more time what you need is to find more intention more um more presence in your day to day yeah what's not what's missing isn't the time what's missing is you prioritizing yourself and i love that correctly um okay so i want to go back to something you talked about because i hear this i've been hearing this theme repeating a lot and i'm on board you talk about that courage comes before confidence um, and I think that that people often think that clarity comes before taking action too. So maybe maybe those concepts are intertwined. But how do you help people to see those concepts of courage and confidence and clarity a little bit differently? It's interesting that you mention clarity and confidence. We we see both of them as pre-requirements, but they're usually um, results of our actions. People probably stay stuck in waiting for that clarity because we want to make the right decision. We want the whole plan in front of us, so we are sure that that's the right way. And I don't think there is a right or wrong way to do things. There is your way, for sure. And clarity comes from taking action. Clarity is something that you see looking back, not looking forward. And it comes down to just trusting your decisions and seeing, as I said before, just one step at a time. I... <laughs> I like to compare it to, um, I don't know if you've ever played those computer strategy games where you um, discover a little bit of the map with, um, with every step. You only see a little piece at a time. And then the more you do, the more map you unravel, but you don't see the whole thing. And this is how I see goals as well. Just take it one step at a time because you don't actually know what's happening around you. You can plan as much as you want to plan. And I'm all for planning. I love planning. But you still have to live enough space. I like to say plan but leave space for miracles. Mm. You will never know the people you'll meet, the relationships you'll build, the opportunities that will come your way that you cannot predict. It's impossible to think about all these things from the beginning. So for me, clarity is about 
that logical next step and also about your identity. Who do I need to be to get to my goal? And an interesting exercise that I recommend people do for clarity is to look back at some of your past accomplishments and see how you've done it. Can you find some of your most common um, qualities that help you usually? What was your mindset when you had those accomplishments? So see, clarity is something that is um, found by looking backwards, not forwards. I also like to compare it with riding a bike. You don't know how to ride a bike until after you've done it. You can read about it. You can have a bike, but until you do it, you don't know how to ride a bike. And and courage um, and confidence are kind of the same way. And I think we sit around waiting for ourselves to get this thing, or we read up trying to get this thing with with a skill set. So let's talk about it from a confidence lens too. Like why is sitting around waiting for the confidence to do the thing not the answer? Confidence, just like clarity, is something that you get after you do something. You cannot have confidence about something you haven't done yet. So I say if you do want confidence, look at everything you've already done and get confidence from the fact that you already have a really good track track record of achievements. You are obviously someone who can do stuff. Use that confidence. And then for the thing you have ahead, use your courage. What gives you courage normally? Again, you can look back to some brave things you've done and try to find patterns. But take that step, do the thing, and then you'll be confident about it. Oh my gosh, I love that. (laughs) I don't know about most people, but when I think of the concepts, originally, when I think of the concepts that you shared, I picture this high-powered, busy person that is very like extroverted and outgoing and personable and just like on the go all the time. And I get the impression after listening to you that that is not the kind of like, you're not here to teach more hustle culture and teach people how to like grind away. You're teaching them how to make room in their lives for more things that actually bring them joy and light them up from the inside out. So now you also have this book, which is called The Introvert That Could. And I'm curious to know like what led you to write the book and how it relates to the work you do as a coach. And did it come from some of this place of like not wanting to perpetuate this hustle grind kind of culture? How I started writing the book or the reason why I started writing the book was simply because I wanted to write a book. It can be a very simple reason, and I want to make this point that you can do things just because you want to do them. It doesn't have to have a a huge reason behind it. And, And obviously for me, it was also an opportunity to share a lot of things that I that I know and that I learned throughout these years and how they helped me. But it it's also a really good business card, right? If people get to know me, 
um, they can see what I what I can help with. And it started first as a productivity book. And I, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote. And when it came time to write the promise, um, the, the title and the subtitle, I just couldn't find a way for it in the marketplace. Every title that I had, every subtitle or promise that I could think of were boring, were very SEO friendly, but they didn't attract me in any way. In my own brain, I couldn't sell my book. So I said, oh, okay, I have to, I have to change the perspective I have to find something else that can make this book special and then I realized oh some of these things that I talk about from my perspective as an introvert these were issues that I either experienced in a different way or I solved in a different way than other people might have done and back when I started, I, I used to have a podcast that I stopped when, um, when the pandemic start, uh, started, and it was called The Introvert That Could, and I was talking about productivity from a, an introvert's perspective, because we do have things that sometimes hold us back, like being with other people talking as much as other people expect us to, taking pictures or recording videos or not being able to say no or ask for help, um, overthinking and being mentally exhausted. These things are very common for us um, and they, they do hinder productivity. And when I remembered the title of the podcast, I said, yes, this is it. And I finally found a way uh, to, to define what the book is and who's going to be for. And that being said, not all introverts will identify with all the topics that I talk about in the book. And I'm very careful when I write to not generalize this. Plus, every single one of those problems could easily happen to, to an extrovert too. So I, once I had uh, an idea of what the book will be, I, I joined a couple of writing groups so I can have some motivation, some accountability to keep writing. And the writing process took me about six months. And once I finished and I had to decide, okay, how do I publish now? This is a very, very good example of clarity. I didn't have clarity in the beginning at all. And I was thinking, how do I publish this? For me, very on brand would be to create something very high quality. And I said, then no, self-publishing is not an option for me. I need an editor. I need someone that can help me and tell me if the structure is all right, if my English is okay, because mm -hmm. obviously I do have this, I, I don't doubt my writing, but I would really love someone to tell me, 
your English is good since I'm not a native speaker. I started pitching to publishers and I eventually, through a recommendation, chose a, a hybrid publisher. So I will have the book in the, the book trade with the opportunity to have it in bookstores, be available on all the platforms. So all the typical uh, traditional publishing stuff, but I do pay for the services. That's the, that's the deal. And it, again, with the point about clarity, I didn't know how to write a book until I wrote it. And I don't think anyone would, even if I tell you how, I don't think you would write it the same. No one will write a book as I wrote a book. It's very, very personal. The how is always very personal because no one has the same circumstances as I do. No one has my my life, my my brain. It will always, always be the same. I really took it one step at a time. Can you share um, one of the strategies that maybe you share in the book about how to find success while honoring um, the introverted part of you. When it does feel like many, many parts of the world, many pieces of our life, they shower that that praise on, on being more extroverted and having those kinds of qualities. So can you share some of the strategies and maybe even like how you brought those into the writing process? I want to start by making an interesting point. We may be praising extroverts just because we don't see the introverts themselves. We only see what they create. I had a very interesting um, discussion with my husband a few days ago that kind of gave me a breakthrough. I started painting recently just as a hobby, something to, to do to relax. And he asked me, so now you you write, you paint. What's next? Are you going to take singing lessons or acting lessons or something like that? I said, no, those, those things sound really awful to me. And I realized for me as an introvert, I am visible in, out into the world, not through my image, but through what I create. It's my writing that you see. Um, the, the paintings are just, you know, for, for me. But the book, have you ever read a book that you absolutely loved, but you have no idea how the, the writer looks like or even heard about them before? I'm sure you have, yeah. but that doesn't mean they're not visible. Their creation is out into the world. So you can be an introvert and have this kind of visibility. Find something that you can put out into the world and we don't need to know you, just your, your creations. But another way to think about it is, can you find ways? And there are so many jobs out there that are perfect for us. Even coaching. Even though I, I have to pass that hurdle, hurdle of meeting someone for the first time, after that, 
my main job as a coach is to listen. We do that so well. Introverts have so many good qualities that can help them be really good at their jobs if they find the right job. In business, if someone has a problem with marketing, there are ways to market yourself that are more introverted friendly. For me, that was email marketing for a very long time. That's all I did. That was my main way of communicating with people. And it it was the most comfortable and genuine for me. So there are always ways. And I try to emphasize this in the book. You can find a way that works for you. And that at the same time, if you do want to not necessarily change, but improve, you can develop your people skills. The, the biggest shift that happened for me was to decide, nothing had to happen just for me to decide that being an introvert is not a problem and being introverted and being bad with people don't have to be connected in any way yeah once I made that decision in my mind everything changed and since then I see everything as a skill networking for example I just looked at it as I look at writing it's a skill how do I develop this skill I break it down and I do um, each step until I get good at it and the same for the rest of the people skills. Just don't make it mean that you cannot do things. Something that I I start the book with is um, I I did some research. I had interviews with people, and when I started the interview, the first question was, "Please tell me how you." Uh, how you complete this sentence I'm an introvert so and everyone started with the negatives I'm an introvert so I cannot do this and this and I I cannot go to networking events I cannot go and say hello to someone for the first time they started with the problems and through the book what I'm trying to do is shift that don't make it mean that you cannot do things. This is why it's called the introvert that could, because we can do things. So just kind of like how you, uh, it's it's almost like I loved what you said about you don't need to um, write a book for any particular reason. Basically, you don't need permission to write the book, right? <laughs> um, and I think it's kind of like that with your with using your introversion as a strength, like you actually don't need anyone to tell you that you can just decide that it's, it's a strength. It's your superpower. Um, what are some other ways that you see people asking for this permission before getting started or maybe before acknowledging like the, the greatness inside of them? And like, how can we kind of pull away from that a little bit? I I know what you're talking about. I can see that happening. People waiting for permission. And it's interesting to look at the reasons why. And it can come from multiple reasons like anything else. But the two most common ones, I think, are first, 
not trusting your own decisions. And for some of us, I think it's normal. If we grew up uh, with someone else deciding and telling us what's wrong and what's right, you still rely on those people. And as an adult, no, at least it didn't happen for me. Our parents don't just sit us down and say, from now on, you can make your own decisions. I'm, I'm done. My, my job here is done. So as an adult, you have to, at some point, make the decision that you will take full responsibility for your life, your actions, which is both really, really good and really scary. Mm-hmm. It's good because you have full control. From now on, you can do whatever you want. And at the same time, it's scary because there is no one else to blame and you have to take responsibilities for the consequences as well. But if you have a good relationship with yourself, it shouldn't matter. So it comes from just a decision that I'm going to trust myself from, from now on. And I'm going to trust that I, I will figure it out if it doesn't work out. The second reason why I think asking for permission happens is um, a deep feeling of unworthiness and you somehow want someone else to tell you that it's okay, you deserve it. Not only that you deserve it, but you want them to beg you to do it. I was just going to say, you want them to tell you that you should do this or you could do this, or you are the one uniquely equipped to do this. Exactly. You want someone to um, convince you that, that it's okay. You can, you can do this. This feeling of uh, not being uh, worthy can come, can show up in, in life. So many things. Um, like uh, not taking compliments or not accepting gifts or always shopping for someone else but never for yourself, Um, always feeling like an inconvenience or uh, you don't ask for help. Another good one is cleaning before the cleaner comes. If you don't feel like you deserve those things, you want someone else to come and, and beg you to do it and tell you, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. Or even with gifts, they insist until you you accept accept the gift. It's interesting to think about and where those things are showing up in my life. And also, I think the listeners can identify with that too. Like, where are you waiting for somebody to give you the permission or or begging you to do the thing? And why are you not the one begging yourself to do the thing? Um, Okay, Andrea, you gave us so much. (laughs) This was amazing. All right, where can people find and connect with you online? And also um, pre-order, I believe is the situation right now, a copy of your book, The Introvert That Could. I, in terms of social media, I am active on LinkedIn and Instagram. Both places are good to connect with me. And I'm sure you're going to put in the links. My main website 
where people can find out uh, about coaching is andreasanda.com. And then I do recommend you also go and get that uh, audio series with the six high performance habits. I do go into details with all of them and give examples of habits from from some of the really successful people in the world. So I really give details like um, um, how much time uh, Barack Obama sleeps, for example, or what does Serena Williams eat, <laughs> stuff like this. If someone follows me on Instagram, the link in the bio actually has everything. That's the, yeah, that's a good link to go to, to find all of it. All right, Andrea. Well, this was lovely. Thank you so much for being my guest and giving us like so much to think about in, in a lot of different directions. Like I feel like we kind of covered a lot of different ground and it was lovely. So thank you. Thank you for having me. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.